It's good to see everyone here today. We appreciate so much your presence. We are going to be looking at the book of Jonah, the passage that was read a moment ago. We will be looking at the third chapter of the book of Jonah, and we hope that you will follow along with us as we study today. We're going to be talking about the theme, Repent or Perish. And so as we look at the book of Jonah, I want you to give consideration to what the prophet said in the long ago. And uh, we will be doing that in just a moment or two. We appreciate so much your presence here today. If you are visiting, as always, we encourage you to come back. We're very grateful for your presence today. We thank you for being here with us. We hope that you'll come back and be with us again very, very soon. If you're looking for a church home, as always, we encourage you to give consideration to the work here. We would love to have you come and join hands with us. I do want to say very quickly, we had a prayer breakfast yesterday uh, Brad put that together, and it was uh, a really great morning. We appreciate so much those who were in attendance. Uh, very glad that uh, we had the opportunity to be together. And a lot of prayers went up for the church here, for those who are sick, those who are facing difficulties in life. And so uh, we want to continue to pray. We began the new year emphasizing prayer, and we want to close the new, or rather close this year emphasizing prayer. I want to begin this morning by asking this question. What do you think about the future of our country? Are you concerned? Are you alarmed? Are you a pessimist or an optimist? I hope and pray that I'm an optimist. And I want to see the good that's going on in this country. And I think that there is a lot of good. And there's no doubt there are many, many blessings that have been richly afforded us in this country and how grateful we ought to be for the tremendous blessings that God has lavished upon us. And yet at the same time, I understand that there are some things going on in our country that are just not right. There is what I would call moral erosion. It's so evident. And really, you could go from city to city, and things don't change a lot. In many sectors of society, we as a nation of people have unfortunately forgotten the goodness of God. In the book of Jonah, we read about a patriot, a prophet, and God in the long ago sent him to the capital city of the Assyrian nation, a place called Nineveh. Nineveh was a great city. As a matter of fact, historians indicate that there were probably about 600,000 people living in that city when Jonah was instructed to go and to preach to those people. Nineveh was a mighty, mighty city. Assyria was a powerful nation. And if you look at the Assyrians and you begin to examine the inner workings of that nation, you'll find out they had a lot of problems. And in many ways, they mirror 
many countries today. So let's just think for a moment or two about the message of the prophet. And that message was very clear. The message was simply this, repent or perish. I want to begin our study by first of all talking about the character of Nineveh. And as you think about the character of Nineveh, I think it would be good to ask the question, what is the character of cities all across our country? If you look at the character, the condition of Nineveh, it's summed up in Jonah chapter 1. Look, if you would, at what God said in verse 2 of chapter 1. He instructed Jonah to go to Nineveh, that great city, and he said, crowd against it. Now listen to what he said. For their wickedness has come up before me. Assyria was a cruel, bloodthirsty nation. And they took pride in their cruelty. Their kings were renowned for their atrocities. And God here simply said about this city that their wickedness has come up before me. Now in chapter 3, the Bible speaks of their evil ways and the violence in their hands. They were a violent people. Some have said that they literally had mounds of human heads, an ungodly nation. And so if God were to, let's just say God were to survey the city of Memphis, this Mid-South area, what do you think he'd say? If God were to look inside the city of New York, what would he say? What about San Francisco, L.A., Chicago, Atlanta, Miami? If God were to go city to city all across this nation, what would he say? What would the summation be? Let me just give you some insight into our nation. And really, I think it suggests that we are in a free fall, the erosion of America. Did you know that our national debt is $21.6 trillion? You ever thought about how much time it would take to spend a trillion dollars? Did you know that you would have to spend a million dollars per hour, nonstop, 24 hours a day, and you wouldn't exhaust a trillion dollars for 411 years? And we're in debt over $21 trillion. The number of violent crimes in the U.S. in 2017 totaled $1.28 million. Violent crime is a problem in in this nation. And it was a problem to the Assyrian people. In 2017, Memphis ranked in the top 10 for violent crime in America. That's our hometown. We talk about this Mid-South area. And don't tell me that Memphis doesn't bleed over into DeSoto County because you and I both both know that it does. In 2017, Baltimore, Detroit, New Orleans, and St. Louis, listen to this, were listed as among the most dangerous cities to live in the world 
with a population of at least 100,000 inhabitants. The most violent cities in the world. In 2017, murder or negligent homicide totaled 17,284 people. 17,000 people put to death in this country. Unbelievable. NBC News reported from 1999 to 2015, a total of 438,607 people died from unintentional overdoses. Drug abuse in this country is incredible. Young and old, rich and poor, black and white, we're all affected. And then, did you know that America has become the foremost champion of hedonism? This is a mindset in which the acquisition of pleasure and enjoyment is the highest priority in life. Responsibilities such as worship to a holy God, fulfillment of obligations, and personal improvement are deemed of secondary importance. As one writer said, having fun is all that counts. And then Robert L. Wagoner, in a paper titled The Hedonistic Face of Humanism, has this to say. No nation in all of world history has ever been as hedonistic as the United States now is. Americans now spend more money on pleasurable pursuits of all types than on religion and education combined. What does that say about our nation? We have more, more trouble than we can say grace over. Unbelievable. The depth of depravity and the problems that we face in this country. So that's just a little glimpse into the internal decay that we face in this country. Now we talk about the character or condition of Nineveh. But I want you to see something as well, and that is the concern for Nineveh. God called on a man by the name of Jonah, a great patriot, to go to the city of Nineveh, the capital of Assyria, and cry against it. What does that say? It says to me that God was concerned for Gentile people many, many years ago. God was concerned about human life. He was concerned about human beings. He was concerned about souls. And I want you to think about this. 600,000 people lived in the city of Nineveh. And the hope of that city rested on the shoulders of one man, Jonah. Now you think about the application today. What if God called you individually to go to the city of Memphis or Atlanta or Chicago or New York or L.A. or San Francisco and the hope of that city rested on your shoulders? Could God count on you? Could God count on you? Now, Jonah initially ran but later had a change of heart. But you think about the influence of one person. Didn't Jesus say in Matthew 28, Go therefore make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, 
And go back and look at, for example, in John chapter 4. You remember that conversation that Jesus had with a woman of Samaria at Jacob's well? After having spent some time with Jesus, she went back to her own people and said, come see a man that's told me everything I've ever done. And the Bible tells us that many of the Samaritans believed on Jesus. Why? Because of her testimony. And later Jesus went and made a profound impression upon their lives. And the point is simply this. You have influence in this world. You have influence in this city. Whether it's in Olive Branch, it's in the Mid-South, it's in Memphis. You have a tremendous measure of influence in this world in this community. We need to use our influence for good. I mean, imagine God saying to Jonah Jonah in the long ago, look, the Ninevites are going down and I need you to step up. Our country is going down. We are in a free fall. God needs us to step up, doesn't he? I mean, shouldn't we step up? Aren't we to be the salt of the earth, the light of the world? I mean, if we don't step up, who will? Think about that for a minute. Now, there's a second thing I want you to see in our study. And that is the command to Nineveh. Look, if you would, at chapter 3 for a minute. In chapter 3, first and foremost, we think about the source of, of the message. In verse 1, the Bible says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. It was a divine message. Jonah was simply the messenger. Do you remember Haggai? Haggai would prophesy years later. And he would say in chapter 1, verse 13 of his book, that he was the Lord's messenger in the Lord's message. We have a message that people need, right? They need the gospel. And the problem is people are living in sin. The Bible says all have sinned, come short of the glory of God. The remedy for sin is the blood of Jesus. And Paul said in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, the wages of sin is death. So how do we avert death, spiritual death? How do we avert separation from God eternally? We preach and teach the gospel, don't we? We understand that behind every face is a human soul. God saw the souls in Nineveh. He recognized that in Assyria there were many, many people that would have been impacted by destruction. God is interested in people. I think sometimes we forget that, that God is interested in the souls of people. Paul said that God would have all men, A-L-L, all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Peter said God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God's interested in all people. So I think about the source of this message, but then secondly, the seriousness of this message. The Bible says in verse 3 that Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. And I want you to listen, if you would, 
to the succinctness of this message. Eight words. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Think about that. They had 40 days to get their act together or God said, I will bring you down. 40 days. Imagine if God said to the city of Memphis, you got 40 days to clean your act up or I will bring you down, brother. What if God said that to Chicago, New York, L.A., San Francisco? Would we have the presence of mind to say, you know what, God means business. And by the way, if you look at Nahum the prophet who came on the scene a little over 100 years later, Nineveh went back to her old ways. And God said, let me tell you what, I'm bringing you down this time. And he did. So you think about, this was a succinct message. I mean, how could you misunderstand what Jonah said? Listen again, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Not only was it a succinct message, it was a sobering message. Can you imagine God telling people, you've got 40 days. Clock's ticking. Pages on the calendar are turning. You got 35 days. You got 25 days. You got 15 days. You got 10 days. You got five days. One day. You better get it right. You think we, do you think in our nation, that we really think God means business? Is it possible that, that we just brush it to the side and say, you know what, that, that, that's just a bunch of fiction. God, God doesn't really mean what he says. Is it possible? Now, let's think thirdly for a moment, the conversion of Nineveh. And I want you to see something here, first and foremost, the perception of the people. Look at verse 5. In verse 5, here's what the Bible says, the people of Nineveh believed God. Guess what? That message resonated. I mean, you imagine, here is this prophet, and he's going through the city, and he's saying, 40 days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. And the Bible says, by way of commentary, that the people of Nineveh, they believed what he said. Now we talk about God being the one who rules in the kingdoms, kingdoms of men. And the fact that there is a God in heaven who is over all, above all. And that there's a God in heaven who will one day hold us accountable Would we have the presence of mind like they of old to believe what God said? I mean, didn't God say in the long ago that there is a day in which he will judge the hearts and lives of people? In Acts chapter 17, when the apostle Paul was in Athens and he preached the one true living God, did he not say that the times of ignorance God winked at, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. Why, Paul? Because he has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness. 
Do we believe that? Think the people in this city believe that? You think America believes that? That there is a day in which every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess to God. As Paul said, so then each of us must give an account of ourselves to God. You thought about that lately? You thought about the fact that one day you have a date to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ to give an account of your life? And God was saying to the Ninevite people, let me tell you what, in 40 days you've got a date with me. And if you don't get your act together, I will bring you down. What if God said that to Memphis, Chicago, Atlanta, New York? Do you think think people would believe God? Second thing I want you to see, and that is the penitence of the people. The Bible says that the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Then word came to the king of Nineveh, and I think this is astounding. And he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away his fierce anger so that we may not perish? Here's what is utterly astounding. The king, When he heard this message, it resonated. It registered with him. It shook him to his core. I would love to see the president of our nation, our senate, our congress, our state representatives, I would love to see these people in power cut the rhetoric out and quit fighting against one another And say, you know what, as a nation of people, we need to get back to God. Quit worrying about their political party and get back to God. Bunch of selfish piranhas. That's what they are. Selfish piranhas, many of them. Have no regard for God. So intent on being politically correct that we've forgotten about God and His Word. And let me tell you what, we're paying a heavy price in this country. You believe that? We're headed down the sewer and we've got men and women in political places of power in this country that couldn't tell the difference between right and wrong if their lives depended upon it. They couldn't tell you the difference between right and wrong. They have no idea what the standard is. That's how far they've gotten removed from God's holy word. And here is the king of Nineveh. He got it. He got it. The king of the Assyrian nation woke up. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we had leaders in this country that would stand up and say, you know what, it's time to go back to God. 
I mean, here's Jonah's message. You repent or you perish. Is that message not relevant today? Yes, it is. How do I know that? Because Jesus said, Luke chapter 13, repent or perish. Repent or perish. Individually. You want to go to heaven? You want to be blessed by God? You better do, you better do things His way. Look, this isn't... You, know, you remember the theme of Burger King many years ago? Have it your way? It doesn't work like that with God. It's have it His way. So, the king woke up. It's time to wake some people up in this country. And let me tell you what, you have a voice. You're a Christian, aren't you? Are we not to be the salt of the earth, the light of the world? Did Paul not say, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them, expose them? Sin loves darkness. And so what we have to do is throw the light of God's word on what's going on and to say to people, look, there's a better way. Our country needs to awaken. And let me tell you what, the church needs to wake up. It's time for those of us in the church to wake up and realize we have the responsibility of being an influence for good in this world. We have the responsibility of trying to demonstrate the light of Christ in our lives, to be a difference maker, to be like a Jonah, to bring about change in the lives of people. It can happen. When the Apostle Paul went to the city of Corinth many years ago, the Bible says he spent 18 months there preaching the gospel. And Luke said in Acts chapter 18 that many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it reads like any city all across our country. What they have by way of moral standards? They had none. There was fornication, adultery, idolatry, homosexuality, drunkenness. You had thieves in Corinth, extortioners, revilers, drunkards. Because Paul said, and such were some of you. And yet Paul didn't just wave them off, say, you know what, they wouldn't be interested. Paul went to that city and made a difference. If Paul could change a Corinth, then we can change a city in America, can we not? How do we do that? By preaching and teaching the gospel. No, there's no other way. That's the answer. But we've got to preach truth. We've got to hold up God's word. The psalmist many, many years ago in Psalm 43 said, send out your light and your truth. That's what we have to do. And very quickly, note if you would, the pardon of the people. First, their genuine penitence. The Bible says God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way. Repentance. A change of heart followed by a change, a changed life. And then the provisions. The Bible says God relented from the disaster that He had said He would bring upon them and He did not do it. What did God do? He graciously spared that city, didn't he? As I said a moment ago, a little over 100 years later, Nineveh went down. 
look, I don't know what the future holds, but I do know who holds the future. That's God. And my prayer is that God will continue to bless our country for many, many years to come. And we ought to be grateful to God for the blessings and the freedoms that we enjoy in this country. But at the same time, we need to understand that there's a lot of decay going on in our country. And if the decay is going to somehow be rooted out, the responsibility falls upon us. So I want to encourage us to view ourselves as a Jonah and to equip our minds with this way of thinking. I can make a difference. Look, you can make a difference at school, on the job, in your neighborhood, with your family. We can change, look, we can, we can affect change by living the Christian life and letting people know about Christ. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, we want to encourage you to come to Christ, believing that Jesus is exactly who he said he was, and that is the Son of God. If you believe that he is the Son of God and you would willingly repent of your sins, confess the name of Christ before others, be baptized into Christ, then as Peter said on Pentecost Day, God will forgive all your sins, Acts 2, verse 38. He'll add you to the church, Acts 2, verse 47. And if you're faithful till death, the promise is the crown of life to be in heaven one day. And that promise can be enjoyed by you. If you're here this morning, and maybe your life's not what it ought to be, maybe you haven't been a Christian example, maybe you haven't lived as you ought to live, and you need the prayers of the church, we'd be happy to pray with you and for you. It may be that you're here and you're struggling, you've got problems in your life, and you just need people to pray for you. We'd be happy to do that for you this hour. Won't you come as we stand and sing?